From the Far East to the Great West, the podcast that celebrates the red-headed stepchild of the Kung Fu genre, Bruce Broitation. Welcome to the Clones Cast. Here are your hosts, Michael and Matthew. Welcome to the Clones Cast. This episode, we are talking about the 1976 Bruce Lee's Deadly Kung Fu, also known as Bruce Lee's Secret, also known as Bruce Lee, A Dragon Story. So this is directed by Chan Hua and William Chung Ki. It's a uh, pseudo-biopic of Bruce Lee, and it stars Bruce Lai as Bob Lee. Here is the opening theme. So this is a, uh, a pseudo-biopic, uh, which we've already seen once with Bruce Lee, The Man, The Myth, and I'm sure we're going to see lot, lots more of those. Um, in looking this movie up, I saw multiple people saying, don't confuse it with Bruce Lee, A Dragon Story. Right. They, yeah, this is always the problem with these films. There are so many crisscrossing titles, and partly because there are times where in the U.S., they got it wasn't just like they just happened to name it the title of another film in some cases they actually thought that was the title you know so there's they would go oh isn't this that movie that we had you know last year let's the you know bruce lee's super dragon well let's just call it that <laughs> so yeah yeah and it's pre-internet right you could get away with re- ripping off like oh you know what a dragon story did pretty well well <laughs> and back then you know it's like it was the best thing because you know movies would only play in the theater for a week or two and they were gone and so you could always just bring it back or, you know, and somebody might go and think it was the same thing. But whatever brings them in, you know. <laughs> yeah. Enter the real dragon. The real dragon. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what, it, <laughs> what do you mean? The, you mean the real Bruce Lee or, the, or something called the real dragon? <laughs> oh, no. You just you just come up with whatever you want. It sounds like the real thing. Oh, know? I see. Yeah, yeah. Come up with. Yeah, that's <laughs> the way to do it. And, that's, and, and, and they would. I talked to him. Mel Marin about that sometimes, and he would, he, which he was handling a lot of the 
U.S. releases of these films, and he would just sit around talking about the ways they'd come up with the titles for these films, and they were pretty funny. Yeah, that's awesome. So today, uh, it's June the 29th is when we're uh, recording this. I read today that it's the actual, so it's either the fourth year anniversary of the death of Jim Kelly, or uh, it's been four years since he died, or it's his birthday and he's been dead four years. I didn't quite get that from the article, but hey, we miss you, Jim Kelly. Well, let's see. You know, it, it actually wasn't four years ago. I was actually at I think it was on the um, Enter the Dragon's 40th. That was just like two years ago, okay. I think. And he had he was still alive. So it's probably his birthday. Or, yeah, must, I mean, but it hasn't quite been four yeah. years, I don't well, think. Well, pretty close. And Most time is flying way too fast. I know. As possible. I know, man. It's nuts. Well, I want to ask you, just to start out, as yeah. we always do, what did you think of Bruce Lee's Deadly Kung Fu? Well, it, it's funny because I, I... And I'm always careful with these movies because I sometimes get them... You know, my my um, nostalgia favoritism of them mixed up with what's actually a, a good movie or not. Right. <laughs> this this Bruce Lee's Deadly Kung Fu was one of those first um, Bruce Lee exploitation films I saw as a kid a, a fair amount because when it came out and it was playing in the theaters and I did see it in the theaters twice, but it was also at the same time was getting released on TV. And it was actually on Showtime. And this was back when Showtime was, I don't think it had only been on for a few years at this point, but I remember they had had it on there. And I managed to record it with a, uh, a VHS player that my mom had, this archaic, you know, monster of a machine. <laughs> and I still to this day have that recording off of Showtime of uh, Bruce Lee's Deadly Oh, Kung that's Fu. awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, I actually, and I mean, I'll, we'll get into it as we talk a little bit, but there are a number of reasons, especially later, that I like it uh, even more so. But, as a kid, one of the things that always stood out to me that I liked about it, as I was, you know, uh, at that time a, a budding martial artist and I was training all the time and working out, and the kind of choreography that this this particular film had is is fairly um, uh, sort of one step two, one step three, one step four. You know, there's almost like a sense of they're not trying to put it into uh, realism. It's very choreographed. And so I could learn from watching this film, which I did. Oh. I would put it on and watch some of the moves and then go and practice them. So, you know, for for that reason as a kid, I really uh, I really liked it. We'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more. But uh, what did you think about it, seeing it being that uh, as an adult you got to see it for the first okay. time? So as a first time, I have to say I really liked it. I did. I liked the choreography. Choreography was awesome. Um, I thought it had more, like, Bruceisms, which we'll talk more about, but... The opening sequence, it was like straight out of Way of the Dragon, you know, um, even had which, like... Which sequence? The opening restaurant sequence. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. It was like a complete ripoff, which I, once I realized it was a biopic, I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, I recently heard somebody, and I and I don't know if it's really meant to be true, but somebody said um, Way of the Dragon was meant to be somewhat biographical. Have you heard that? Well, yeah, I mean, biographical, I think, in the sense that it was, um, I think Lee felt most um, connected to that character when he did it because he had these times in his life, particularly when he came to America, where he was sort of the outcast. And so that's why in Way of the Dragon, he goes to Italy and nobody understands him. He was incorporating a lot of his things that he went through, or, you know, a fair amount of his, of course, he wasn't (laughs) protecting a restaurant or anything like that, but, you know, all these elements about ordering soup and you know getting 10 bowls of it instead of that one. was the best scene 
Yeah. <laughs> which which didn't end up in the American release the first time. If you if you never saw the American release, that scene, and there's another scene where like he's squatting over a toilet. You yeah. Just, yeah. That that was cut out because people just didn't, wouldn't understand it. You know, if you go over to the the new territories in, in China at the time, or or you in Hong Kong out in, in China and in China, deep in China, you know, you you don't sit on toilets, you squat over them. <laughs> you know, right, so right. I think people in the U.S. were like, "What the heck is he doing?" You know, but it was kind of an in joke for those that. Ah, uh, you know Kong. what? To this day, um, I don't I don't know. I mean, I think I've always just continued like repeatedly watching that as a child because I. It was more like, I get that he wasn't used to the toilet, but I never thought about exactly as you said. Like, they're all squatting toilets, so, like, why would you sit? <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, wasn't meant for me. So I thought it was great. Um, I thought if I had any, like, straight out of the gates complaint, it maybe had too much fighting. Because it's kind of like the movie, it's got a few, like, humor scenes, but for the most part, it's just battle royale. Well, yeah, and and on that note, it's kind of interesting because one of the things about this film for me, well, not even for me per se, but it's just in general, is even though it's one of these biopics, it's also one of the few that's like a memoir. So in other words, the other films, pretty much it's about Bruce Lee from the beginning of his life to the end of his life. And that's kind of the scope of Bruce Lee, the man, the myth, or, you know, Dragon Dies, uh, you know, Dragon Lives, and et cetera, et cetera. Here, it's sort of, of a specific period in his life. You know, it's about him. I mean, it's, granted, it's, there's a big stretch with, you know, how it, you know, how it's portrayed. But it's about, more or less, about one of the pivotal moments in his life, which was when he formed Jeet Kune Do out of Wing Chun. Right. Which is pretty interesting, you know. And that's one of the things about this film. We can talk a little bit more about it where... It, it, you know, because that comes up, this idea for many of these filmmakers when they, one of the things I, and I write about it in the book a lot, is that there's interpretations of Bruce Lee. You know, there's interpretations of how um, how he was as a person, but also about his martial art, because that was kind of the, the crowning jewel of who he was, right? I mean, it's the fact that he was this badass at that time, and he was freaking everybody out with his martial arts. So um, this movie, you know, and some of them have different interpreted interpret that different ways if you watch bruce lee the man the myth there's a moment in the like halfway through the movie where all of a sudden just a narrator pipes in and goes and at this point bruce lee invented jeet kune do and then that's it right that's <laughs> it's just what happens yeah in this film they actually at least take the sort of lead up to it how he gets beat in a fight with wang jong lee and then he's got to sit and contemplate and then finally you know he flashes back you know on his wing chung master teaching him supposedly it man i guess and teaching him and then he all of a sudden he goes i got it and now he's inventing jeet kundo and in a, in a you know a, it, even though the montage that follows is really you know just kind of arbitrary he's punching a bag he's kicking clay pots i mean it's fairly oh it's it's so it's kind of what they did in uh, the man the myth that he overtrains like you know in that one he's like going crazy like he's electro electrocuting himself and stuff but this one with all the stupid kicking the clay pots i was like yes it was so funny well, and again, that's kind of interesting because it's this hybrid idea here where they're they're going against classicalism in the sense that he's a Wing Chun teacher who's now about to, you know, modernize his martial art. But the process he's doing it is by going into classical training. You know? <laughs> right, I mean, those right. clay pots are like full-on old-school kung fu movies, you know. Oh, um, yeah. And, and, uh, and so, you know, then and then we he, obviously he goes back and beats Wang Zhang Li. And, and then he, what's interesting... 
just on this note before we go off of it is that when he goes back to class, like he starts this, if those who haven't seen the film, you know, it's all about Bruce Lee and we'll, you know, we'll go back and cover this starting a, a class and teaching the, the, the Westerners martial arts. And so remember, he, he goes in there and he's talking about Wing Chun and everybody's, um, everybody's like applauding, like, oh, this is going to be great. But then when he comes in all of a sudden with this new concept of teaching Jeet Kune Do, it, they're all perplexed by it. And he says, um, <laughs> it's the subordination of technique to instinctive response. And if you can grasp that, you're there. <laughs> it's such a like, funny line because they're like, what? huh? And, but the, if you know Bruce Lee's Jeet Kune Do, if you're aware of it, um, and what he was trying to, you know, do with his martial art, there's actually, you can read into what they're saying in this scene about Jeet Kune Do that's actually pretty accurate. This thing where he throws the board at the guy and he reaches up and grabs it, and that was also displayed in uh, Bruce Lee, The Man, The Myth. I mean, that was right out of a Bruce Lee playbook, you know? It was all about Bruce Lee saying, hey, throw out the techniques. Don't draw, if I throw a board at you, you don't drop into a stance do a key eye and then grab the board. You just grab the board. You know, right. you grab the watch or whatever it is I'm throwing at you. And so that's kind of what that um, sequence was trying to, uh, was trying to, you know, indicate. It's the subordination of technique to instinctive response. And if you can grasp that, you're there. That's Che Chun Dao. In other words, you're relaxed. You never prepare yourself. Don't take a stance. Just react. No set techniques. No doctrines. A minimum action, maximum force. So your opponent is a live person. You can't anticipate all possible moves. It's a difficult concept. And it'll take a while. But it's worth making the effort. I promise. Yeah, yeah. I don't that's know if I made any sense by <laughs> by explaining that, but no, you did. That's exactly because you know I've never read the book, and I know you have, and uh, I imagine that's like that's what they did. They read it, and they're like, well, "How do we incorporate this?" I know, and they did that. So you're right. All these guys they become idiots overnight because he explains things a little bit differently. And I wanted to say I thought it was really funny. It man, all he really said is like, "Well, you never stop training. Just keep training." And he was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that's the secret. OK, well, then I'll just. Well, keep that's tra- what I, I love about some of these <laughs> earlier films, is because they're only now at this point getting bits and pieces of what Bruce Lee taught or what is was going on in his life or what have you. And so you they interpret them in these sort of archaic, you know, uh, I, I don't know, amateur ways sometimes in these films that now is particularly if you follow Bruce Lee and you're you're interested in his martial art and you try to read into what they were trying to convey. It's, it's pretty funny, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, you know, we didn't know a lot about Ip Man. And I imagine, you know, in that time, they're like, well, find somebody that knows Wing Chun. And they found him and they're like, okay. So then, you know, Bruce Lai and this guy, they're pretty much just doing like this basic, I imagine that's like Wing Chun 101, just kind of push, 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 yeah, they're, push. They're doing pushing hands, yeah, yeah and yeah. Chi Sao, and that, which, again, this is part of the reason why the fans like Bruce Lai so much is because he actually really studied Wing Chun, and he incorporates incorporates that into when he's usually playing Bruce Lee, which right. is a fairly authentic thing for him to do, and I think that's a reason why a lot of a lot of the fans kind of get into him is because they're oh, like, yeah, right, you know. And he's cool as hell. I mean, yeah. we all know Bruce <laughs> was the coolest guy in the world, but 
Bruce Lai, by far, is the coolest of the clones. He is well, and I can tell you that um, Bruce Lai had said very specifically to me when I met him in Taiwan, he was saying, look, I really wanted to convey who Bruce Lee was. I, wasn't, I didn't want to imitate Bruce Lee, but I wanted to respect his martial art and his teachings and try and, and, and convey that to the audience. And, I, and he was also, you know, a real actor. I mean, this guy really wanted to act. So it's like he, he was really trying to not just put on a facial expression and shake his fist. He was trying to find ways of trying to be as human as he could while he was doing these films. And I think it, you know, I think particularly in a, by the time he's doing this movie, it showed a little bit more in his performance. So Right. He, he still is a, I, I just saw this, uh, it's an older interview, maybe like five or six years, but you can find it on YouTube. And it's just him talking about his past. And what I, what I found so uh, cool about it is he's still awesome. He he still looks great. And he he's really just kind of like he's not mocking anything or even, you know, he's just talking about this is what brought me here. You know, I was a choreographer and I wanted to be an actor. And, you know, this is where I was from. And he seems like such a cool guy. Yeah, no, he is. And I actually... You know, I actually have some footage. I was talking to him about Jeet Kune Do, and I just turned my camera on and just filmed him while he was talking. And he he really has it. Like, he understands it. He was talking about, he was showing, like, he was demonstrating to me the difference between a Taekwondo kick and the way Bruce Lee had, had, had done it, which was a little bit more from, like, Kenpo than anything else. Wow. And he was going through it. So he, he actually really understands it. I mean, you can clearly see that. And he even teaches, you know, when he teaches kids and, and adults today, because he's he does it more for like health purposes for people, he he's incorporates Bruce Lee's Jeet Kune Do into his teachings, you know, and he's 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 serious about it. So he's uh, he he was uh, you know he was a good person for this to you know to play this character that he played. And and I know you want to I think you were just starting off which with which we should probably go back to, which is how this movie opens up, which is like you said this sort of way of the dragon type of moment. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. Um, in fact, um, I'll uh, one of the, well, I'll just actually I want to stop. I want to jump to. I want to know what your favorite scene is because my favorite scene comes pretty early on, and I want to loop it around. So, um, yeah, what was your favorite scene? My well, in this one because of um, <laughs> because just to me, uh, uh, and usually this is going to be the case. This I, I just love the whole ending when he goes and does his Enter the Dragon bit with all the fighters. <laughs> yeah. He goes out there and he fights all these guys in karate gis and you know, with the unfortunate one uh, Chinese guy with the black face on, you know, in the big Afro wig. And he, he these guys, he kind of beats them up a little bit. And then they all kind of go, come on. And they all run off simultaneously. But then there's just another group standing there, like waiting for him. I'm like, why did they just run off? They got 19,000 other guys. They're about to back them up, you know? Yeah, that's the classic. Everybody, get him now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what? so what's your favorite scene? Uh, one thing about that, I love the tracksuit thing, the homage to Game of Death. Which one's that? The... Oh, just that they were all wearing tracksuits. I thought. Oh, was... oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. Yeah, at the yeah. end, right? Because <laughs> it's such a strange thing for me. I mean, I've never worn a tracksuit, and I fairly seldom in life have seen them. And I know they were popular in the '70s, but I have to say, Game of Death, it brought a whole new meaning to tracksuit. Oh yeah, big time. All right. Well, I did like the nunchaku scene, but because uh, I thought it had a lot of style, even though I'm a firm believer that. A nunchaku would beat the hell out of your head if you got hit in the head with it and this didn't seem to have much effect on them but that reason i brought that whole circle back after the opening sequence with the restaurant 
there's the job searching montage with the stupid Western karate guy, kung fu guys wagging their finger like, don't hire these guys. Oh, and I right. Just, <laughs> I was I was rolling. I thought it was that so was Robert funny. Kerber. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was really funny. I read it. This movie was all actually all filmed in Taiwan, even though it's supposed to be in San Francisco. And. You know, like the bungalows and stuff, I guess, are a former U.S. military complex or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just thought that was really funny. You know, this whole, like, we're in San Francisco and there are these Americans. And, and yeah, it was, I thought that was great. The, yeah. And, and it's interesting, you know, it was shot in Taiwan. And, and, and Roy Horan, who's, who, you know, plays like two or three roles in this film, he said the reason he took the job was because they were paying a thousand, you know, uh, uh, Taiwan dollars at the time for a day and he was like well if I take this job I can stay in Taiwan a little longer because that's what he really wanted to do was um, stay in Taiwan so that's and then when they came back to him he said uh, two days later they came back to him and they said well you know we want to um, we want you to be on the movie again he goes but you already killed me off he goes well I'll just put a wig on you and we'll bring you back and so he, <laughs> he just kept coming back and doing more work on the, the film so he could make more money to stay in Taiwan oh that's great I feel like you line these up for me because uh, this is my third Roy, Roy Horton Horan. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, the Tower of Death. That's right. You saw that yeah. before, right? Yeah. And there was another one too because now I'm familiar. Like I, right when I saw him, I'm like, oh, I know that man. Yeah. 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 He, this, well, this was where he started. This was his first one, actually. So this okay. was the, the beginning of his, uh, his illustrious career. Here is Roy Horan on Bruce Lai. All he had to do is he had to, he had to posture. He had to look at Bruce Lee films. He tried to get the facial expressions. He tried to get the posturing and uh, some of the moves, try to get some of the moves in there. But if you, uh, it's just, it's just very, very different. But they tried their best. You know, all of them, all the Bruce Lee lookalikes, you know, they tried their best to mimic Bruce Lee. Okay, so I was really happy to see uh, Ping Away. Is that right in terms of name? That's the the Paul, classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was from, so from, funny from all the Bruce Lee films, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was great to see him. And uh, the Wikipedia assures me that he'll be in Fists of Bruce Lee when I get there. Yeah, you're gonna see him a few places. He's gonna, and he almost always plays the same guy. Yeah, <laughs> it's Poor always bastard. the same guy. He's the translator. And he's causing, you know, he's like turning his back on the Chinese to either work for the Japanese or work for the Americans. Yeah. And in this case, he's working for the Americans who are, who are like, and, and, and you know, this, uh, again, with, like what we were talking about earlier, this is sort of like a memoir in a sense of when Bruce Lee went to Oakland and he ended up having this uh, fight with Wong Jock Man, who is, you know, in this case is being played by Carter Wong. Carter Wong, who... Uh, plays the the cousin, the male cousin to the the lead girl in the in the film, and how he comes and and uh, and fights fights. Well, in this case, Bob. But if you do pay attention, they do call him Bruce a couple of times. But I usually saw that. He's, yeah, you notice that. He's, but he's usually Bob. Um, so he comes to fight Bob, and then Bob Bruce lies is telling him, "Listen, I'm I'm I want to teach the the foreigners." Um, and so they get into this fight over territory, who should be able to teach foreigners, blah, 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 blah. And of course, you know, Bob wins and Carter Wong's about to back down and say, okay, I'm going to give up fighting. And then he says, no, let's be buds. And, and yeah. we're buds. And they were but that, bros. That, that story comes from the fight with Wong Jock Man, where, right. where, where, and as this film kind of replicates, 
is this idea that Bruce Lee had this fight and challenged himself after the fight because he felt like he didn't do as well. And we talked about this, I think, when we were talking about Bruce Lee, the man, the myth, where he now is questioning himself and he goes off and, and Jeet Kune Do is, you know, invented. I was just really glad to see his spine wasn't broken, so we didn't have to have the whole recovery of the yes, spine. Yes, that's right. You know, go through that. He just had like a bandage around his chest. Yeah. But you know, another interesting thing about that moment of, of where he's sitting on the, one of the things I noticed about this film, and I'm not attributing this to the, the filmmakers, I doubt they were thinking this way, but it is kind of interesting, is that this theme of running water. The very opening shot of the of the um, film, you know, you have after we get the credits and like a shot. One version of this film, you'll get a, the first shot is a, a, a a postcard of the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> and another version, I think it's Bruce Lee's secret, it's it's a tracking shot down a, a city street. So mm. you're going to get, it depends on which version you watch. But after that, it's a close-up of a faucet that's in the restaurant and you see running water. Well, this theme of water comes up a couple of times in the film. And where it pays off is in the movie where he's sitting on the, the water side with a stick and he's moving it through the water and then that's where right. he goes, oh, I got it. Well, that's that was taken again from Bruce Lee's life because Bruce Lee attributed a moment in his own life when he was sitting in a boat and he punched the water and he realized how the water wraps around his hand and then when he pulls his fist out it comes right back and and that, and he used that analogy a lot you know about water being a, a, a metaphor for martial arts so, it's his most classic quote right yeah so that they you know I mean these are the little bits and pieces that that did get borrowed from Bruce Lee's real life that found their way into their their slightly skewed narrative. All right, well, the, with the river scene, I feel like that was completely taken from Fist of Fury again, you know? it's the... Well, that's what I mean. And you can find those hybrid moments, because you're right, when he's sitting on the edge of the river right before he goes off and throws his bag in the river. Yeah. Totally, that's 100% yeah. right. But and I'm saying a... you, you can tell it's been borrowed from several different sources. Oh, for sure. Yeah. In fact, in, in Fist of Fury, I thought it was ridiculous, because it was almost like he'd just become this lone man. Remember, he was, like, eating something he caught by the side of the river. And I'm like, Wait, Oh, right, what? right, right. Like, y you were just in town, like, 10 minutes ago. You could have just picked up some food, but you were eating, like, I don't know, it was a squirrel or something. I was <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, Bruce. But, yeah, and then, you know, this has a, this, so we have the opening scene with the restaurant. We have, like, that scene, which made me think of that. But then uh, there's a man with a scar on his face. Just like uh, Ovara. Yeah. Yeah, it's just funny. A lot of little stuff in this. Yeah, and, and I mean, I mean, sometimes you have to, like, scars can be attributed to before Bruce Lee, obviously. But you're right that they, people know that there are certain um, iconic imagery that were floating around at the time of of uh, Bruce Lee's films, you know. It was a Westerner with a scar on correct. his cheek. I'm there just you go. Like, mm, yeah. Um, I liked the Carter Wong mock-up uh, a Wong Jack Man scene a lot. I thought that was really fun. It was really perfectly choreographed. Like that's where you you said it. It was like perfect. Like bump one two three one two three. Yeah. Um, I just yeah. Uh, I wanted to jump to the Oriental Killer. <laughs> yes, Wong Jong Lee. Yeah, I don't yeah. know him, but uh, I liked him a lot. I thought he was. Well, great. you're you're going to get to know him because not only does he make many appearances in Bruce Boitation films, he's probably one of the most notable um, kung fu uh, martial arts actors out of Korea that made his way into the um, kind of the fight industry in Hong Kong and Taiwan. Nice. Yeah, and he's I love actually teach. He was uh, Roy's teacher. 
Oh, no kidding. Yeah, he so, was great. I loved yeah. the, him destroying the dojo while Bruce is just kind of like laughing and having a good time. Yes. So good. <laughs> well, and it's interesting because a little behind the, the scenes you would know, but um, that Bruce Lai had told me that when he was shooting this film and Wang Zhang Lee came on the set, he brought with him Kim Tai Jong. Kim Tai Jong's the guy that played in... Um, uh, well, in fact, I'll just I'll just read the quote. This is here you go. It's a this is a uh, first exclusive quote from Bruce Lai that will be in the documentary that we're doing. But he said um, he said I <clears throat> he said I worked with Huang Zhang Li in the story of the dragon. He brought Kim Tai Jong into that field, meaning onto the set. When he came on set, he had meaning Kim Tai Jong had his black shades on. When he saw me, he made a big facial expression. Do you know why? Because when he was learning how to impersonate Bruce Lee, he watched my movies. He started to call me Sifu, which means master, when he met me. So I thought that was kind of funny because, you know, he, the fact that on Bruce Lee's Deadly Kung Fu, we actually had a young pre, you know, Bruce Bloitation, Kim Tai Jung coming on to probably getting ready for uh, Tower of Death and, and yeah. or excuse me, Game of Death. Right. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I thought that fight was great. You know, Bruce, I'm sorry. Uh, Bob loses, and uh, but right at the end of that, it was like, "Well, have a drink," and they just become drinking buddies. <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, I didn't well, after, at the end of their fight, you mean?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of expected that to be the big. I, I don't know for some reason I expected that to be the big final fight because he'd kind of proven up to this point they could kick everyone else's asses. So we had to finally fight the Oriental Killer, Huang Zhang Li, and then it was like I thought, okay, but then I'm like, well, we still have about 15 minutes left of the film. And then we get into what really happened. So, yeah, the river scene, training montage number two, and it's time for the big battle. And the big battle, he does the nose flicking. He, he does weird sounds. It, you would think that Bruce Lee had never seen a Bruce Lee movie because his oh's yeah. are not. They're more like, you know, it's kind of like. like well, you, I think, you know, it's a sort of a combination because he's trying to mimic bruce lee physically you know he's there trying to like do these mm -hmm. motions and then of course you got the dubbers that are doing their version of bruce lee, oh which, great point I you know what i mean so you I've... kind of throw those two together and it does get a little over the top but um i when i, saw I honestly the theaters, feel really stupid right now because you said it all the sounds i'm hearing are people who have no idea what the hell's going on in these things not really and they're doing their best Bruce Lee, yeah, just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean Bruce Bruce Lee may just be sitting there making a face and kind of like kind of <laughs> scowling, but later they're going, "Wow!" Totally, totally, and, it was know, ridiculous because so it, it was it, like, it sounded over. like a monkey. You know, it's like yeah, <laughs> it was really bad. But yeah, well, so and, I, and I saw that in um, in San Francisco in the theater, and I can tell you that that moment. Because it, which is kind of interesting, if you again, this is kind of that that thing about this movie that I like is that he's up until that point when he's fighting, he's just straight on fighting. There's no cat calls. He's just very like you know classic mm -hmm. Wing Chun, you know, a little grunt here and there. But now all of a sudden, once he's turned it into Jeet Kune Do and he's facing Wang Zhang Li, now boom, he's suddenly making these cat calls. You know, they're yeah. like instantaneous. It's like he's he's they they really were trying to. Um, show this distinction between Bruce Lee prior and Bruce Lee afterwards, you know, yeah. or Bruce Lee afterwards. 
And, uh, and I just remember at that point that the audience went nuts. You know, you got all these guys that are just hanging out in the theater all day and watching the movie three or four times, and they just started going crazy. As soon as, as, soon as he hit that Bruce Lee note, you know what I mean? It was just like yeah. they loved it. Yeah. Well, and I feel like Bruce did do it a lot, but he did it in a very – it was measured enough that we loved it. I mean, I've made that sound many times while punching people. <laughs> well, again, there's a great example because when, when Bruce Lee was doing it, it was organically his deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or, you know, he may have borrowed a little bit of his own Muhammad Ali into what he did, your Cassius Clay at the time. But it's, you know, he, now you have these guys that are imitating him. So what they're doing is no longer looking organic. It's just it sort of sticks out now, you know? Yeah. No, for sure. That, so I want to ask you something about yeah. boxing. You probably know. The thing that Bruce Lee did, I feel like, I don't know, maybe, I don't know when he first did it, but it's the kind of boxing skipping thing where you're jumping foot to foot. That Does that have a name, first off? Wait, what do you, you mean in this film he was doing it? Well, he did it in this film, but also uh, in Way of the Dragon, that was the classic scene with him and chuck norris that you know he was fighting kind of traditionally and well then... right and that again that's that's kind of his idea that he's um you know way the dragon that moment was when he's fighting chuck norris is he was trying to tell in that fight scene how he's fighting chuck norris in a sense the way chuck norris wanted to be fought in this sort of classic battle of martial artists and then when he was getting when bruce lee kept getting beat he said okay now i'm going to loosen up and adapt a more you know, personal style, which was when he started ba- bouncing around on his feet, you know, and doing that whole thing. Because that, that is what Jeet Kune Do is for, for Bruce Lee, you know. And I, that was kind of the start of him using his film to, to be didactic in that sense and to teach people about what he was learning as a martial artist. When he got into Game of Death, that film was to be the ultimate you know, Bruce Lee instruction on, you know, Chinese martial arts, right? It was going to show him wearing that tracksuit, that modern tracksuit, fighting all these guys in classical, you know, Kung Fu, uh, Filipino, you know, martial arts outfits. That was, a, there was a very, you know, there's a metaphor there, you know? And so that was the same thing with Way of the Dragon. And then here you're making the, the analogy, which are the, you know, comparison between this and Bruce Lee's Deadly Kung Fu is exactly what they're imitating. But they're imitating it, for the sake of imitating it, rather than it being a real uh, organic story they're trying to tell. No, I'm with you. And it was actually one of my favorite scenes, maybe historically, you know, as you know, my my favorite fight scene of all time is Edward the Dragon with uh, Bob Wall and Bruce, because I just thought that was the, I'd never understood how badass and how cool someone could be until that moment. But that scene with Chuck Norris, because I loved Chuck at that time, and, you know, I was a young kid, so... I had watched The Octagon and Good Guys Were Black and all this stuff, you know, but I I loved that he um, he changed his style, exactly. Like, I love that he he adapted, and I thought it was the cl- most clever thing to do, like, this boxing stance, this kind of, uh, you don't know where my feet are, so you can't watch where my feet are, because that's always been, like, the, the common trope. Like, here's your foot, so I'm going to punch you in the face because i know how long it's going to take for your foot to get from there to my face so i'm not going to let it happen but if you're skipping around and you're bruce lee that's where you have to throw that in well then you're invincible <laughs> right well yeah i mean there was there's no doubt that was uh you know he was a, actually a big um he was a big student of jack dempsey and jack dempsey had a real interesting book that he wrote called championship boxing that bruce lee used to have in his 
his library. And, and if you go back and look at, ever look that book up, and I know they've done some reprints of it, you know, since then, but um, it's interesting to see his fighting style and what you can see where Bruce Lee pulled things from that book. You know, there's like photos, for instance, at the time where punching the, the classical punch was a horizontal fist where mm. your, your palms down and you're throwing your knuckles out. You know, that's kind of was like the, the typical punch. Right. But if you look at these photos of Jack Dempsey, he's got a vertical fist, which is a lot more along the lines of Wing Chun. And mm. Bruce actually made note of that. There's a there's, you know, his book, he had underlined all these all this stuff in that uh, particular um, under the, in that book. So it's. It's kind of his his bouncing around is sort of this combination of what he picked up from fencing and Western boxing. His brother in real life was a, a fencer. So, I mean, he probably picked up some things from his brother, but, you know, most of it from just studying books. So, um, yeah, Way of the Dragon, you're right. That, that, that moment where Bruce is bouncing around on his toes, that, I mean, it gets shown a little bit in Fist of Fury, but it was kind of that was the sort of big moment where it kind yeah. of was, you know, hit him. Yeah, that's when we all kind of got it. Okay, so I'm actually going to uh, break from form really quickly because this movie had one thing that just killed me. And What's I want to ask you, what do you, do you, I'm, I could just throw it out, but I want to ask you, is there a moment, is there something in this film that you found to be really, really cringy? <laughs> <laughs> cringy? Well, you mean in terms of being PC or in terms of being uh, just oh, odd? Oh, damn it, I'll just throw it out there. That damn little girl. She was oh. terrible. I just, oh man, yeah, she's. Uh, yeah. I, I couldn't. I remember as a kid, I couldn't tell if it was a girl or a boy, but it was just because the voice, you know. Right. When, when I first saw her in the car, I thought she was an adult, and then yeah. Oh, in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> she's like yelling at him. Yeah, you lazy bastards and all this stuff. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with this person? And then I realized, oh shit, it's a kid. And you know, kids in movies never a good thing. But in this in particular, she was terrible. She was just freaking terrible yeah she was um she she was pretty annoying and it's sort of funny because it was like one of those even even the 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 girl the lead girl in the film you know she kind of came off annoying right in the very beginning too and it's just sort of uh, you know you, and then they're all of a sudden they're redeemed by you know you just love them and they're the best yeah. friends but it's kind of like yeah i'd be pissed at these guys for a while right, <laughs> right. get back to work you stupid you know oh no anyway i had to throw that out there because I, I did like the scene where she beat up uh, Ping away, but other than that, I was like, "Come on, yeah. come on, damn it!" You know, she was. <laughs> it was too much. You know, like, there's another moment in in the film that's interesting. This is supposed to be, you know, uh, roughly and in all senses, a, a film about Bruce Lee. But did you notice in the sequence when they were in the apartment together, you know, and he's punching on the bag and then the right. landlord chasing him out the yeah, way. Did yeah. you notice what that what was on the wall of the apartment? It was a it was a Bruce Lee poster. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so right. here's Bruce Lee, supposedly before he's Bruce Lee, and there's a poster of the big boss up on the It was you know, the, the, big boss. the big boss. That's so, so funny. Yeah, it, it is pretty funny. All right. Well give me your final thoughts. Uh What's well, it? I'll tell you, you know, I, what I love about this film is, like we talked about, is that it is, um, it's, like, it, it's like one of the few memoirs of Bruce, uh, Bruce Lee and Bruce Lee uh, exploitation films. Um, it it's deals with basically him coming to, to America, you know, wanting to teach martial arts to, which, by the way, you know, it kind of is 
at first sort of presented in sort of a altruistic humanitarian way. I want to teach, you know, the foreigners. But at the end, he has this admission to the bad guy. Remember, he says, I want to show the white people that we aren't going to be yeah. pushed around, you know. So it's sort of like, Chinese in the end, it kind of comes back to being a slightly more selfish, uh, nationalistic uh, reason for doing it. Um, but um, what I like about the the film is that it is focuses on his development of Jeet Kune Do in many ways, which some of the other films just sort of bypass or do in other weird little ways. But for that reason, I think it stands out. And I also like that it, it it's a fight movie. Like you said, in some ways that can be its Achilles heel because there's so many fights. But nobody dies. Nobody. It's all about, you know, fighting for the sake of fighting. It always sort of as a kid felt more realistic to me because it's all about guys trying to hone their skills rather than yeah. just going out and killing gangsters. Or, or what have you. So um, this film has always been a favorite of mine just for that reason. It's cheesy, I would say. You know, if you haven't ever seen a Bruce Lee exploitation film and want to break into one of the uh, biographical films, it's not as good and well-rounded as Bruce Lee, The Man, The Myth, but I think it's a good one. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Uh, I I agree. I agree. I think this was really fun. Um, I did say too many fights just because I did feel like um, based just based on the other ones I've watched, like you do expect us, like you expect a fight every 20 minutes or something like that. But we were really going here. Like this is about, it was kind of like the man, the myth that we were getting into. How often are people going to, going to like force him to fight? But then, you know, the Carter Wong, if you didn't know the Carter Wong was like the Wong Jack man scene, you'd be like, wait, this dude that was just like friends like 20 minutes ago, like I'm going back to 1974 and I'm like, wait, why is the cousin now fighting him? And like, like the guys that were writing this knew what was going on. But I feel like if you were just watching it, which I did, I just watched it and I saw, but I'm also like, come on, you guys don't need to fight. And then like you said it instantly best friends and lots of stuff like that. And I thought that my final fight was actually going to be with Huang Jing Li and then it wasn't. And then it was actually what you said, it was like, okay, all these crazy tracksuit warriors, and it was a ton of them, nunchakus, they all, let's run away, and then more come, and oh my god, like, it, it was nonstop battle. But so, I wouldn't normally complain, because I love a good fight scene, but I, I felt like maybe there just wasn't enough of what we were really talking about, and, and I would say I didn't notice when you, until you said it a moment ago, but... The whole idea that he turns from, I just want people to understand Kung Fu to got down these Westerners and I need to show them that Chinese is the best kind of boxing or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, again, like I said, when you, you start to understand Bruce Lee's life and then kind of approach the film from that vantage point, it is kind of interesting to see these little bits and pieces they pulled um, from him, and I do want to say one thing, and I was going to say it earlier, and I didn't. But you have seen Wong John Lee before, because oh, he he was the bad guy in Tower of Death. Oh, no kidding! Yeah, he's the guy that you know uh, Kim Tai Jong fights at the end. That's why <laughs> on the set Kim Tai Jong was with Wong John Lee when they met Bruce Lee, but okay. they did Tower of Death later. Uh, it's so much hair and so much mustache. I'll do better. Well, that's the thing. This is the big <laughs> wig movie. It everybody's got wigs, yeah, wigs and blackface, and it's just uh, this is too much. <laughs> I mean. Wong Chun Lee was all hair and yep. a mustache, and yeah, but he he is cool as hell. I'll I'll double check that. I'll put them side by side, and I'll I'll get back there. All right. Well, I wanted to ask a final thing. Just 
about uh, Bruce Poitation. How do you feel that this one, like, let's say you're a newcomer coming in, you, you haven't watched a lot of these. How does this rank? Like, is this a good representation of typical Bruce Poitation? Is this a little off? Let me know. Well, it's it's what where I would say it it's it's great and on the Bruce Blitation meter is it's loaded with all of these elements that I always you know when I talk about Bruce Blitation it's always finding what they took from Bruce Lee's life and and utilized it in these films you know what can we push to you know to uh, reflect Bruce Lee or to you know, encourage the uh, Bruce Lee fans to come go, oh, yeah, that's our, you know, that's, I know that's true. And I think this film does that uh, uh, quite a bit. And like I said, if you're looking for one that doesn't take Bruce Lee into some weird adventure that's such a stretch for your imagination, uh, this one does that as well. Because like I said, nobody's dying. It's just guys fighting. It's, it's you know, it's it's an expanded universe of, of Bruce Lee and uh, Wong Jock Man in Oakland having their fight and, and taking it beyond. So I'd say it's a great one to watch. You get a lot of, te- like you said, a lot of the Bruce Lee imitation footwork towards the end. I mean, it's it's not in the beginning, but it comes more towards the end. And um, so, yeah, I would I would th- I would throw it at you to, to watch. I think, like I said, not as, not as good of a film as Bruce Lee, the man, the myth, but definitely um, definitely close by. Very nice. I'd also just throw out, uh, it goes to show that uh, ceramic jugs are weak as, sh- weak as fuck. What is? <laughs> ceramic ceramic jugs. They just, oh, yeah, they're the best. Yeah, yeah they're, they just, they're, That's old school right there, they, man. They're so easy to beat up and, you know. <laughs> All right, so um, anything new in the DVD area? No, again, it's, uh, we're, uh, I, I, um... You know, for I've been kind of on the lookout because there's been a couple of uh, of distribution companies that have been putting out some um, kung fu films lately, and and since I've been looking myself along with uh, you know my producers trying to find some of these films to uh, release, I've been finding there are other people out there scouting for prints. So I know there's going to be a Hopefully, it'll last for a few years where we get a barrage of new 2K scans coming across, uh, you know, some of these older films. Because, like I said, ever since I came back from Taiwan and Hong Kong and seeing the state these movies are in, I realized that it's these movie collectors out there, these private collectors that have, like, taken these films and bought them at one time or another and have stored them in their basement that we've we've got to start getting, uh, you know, getting to release them before the they turn to vinegar and melt away. Because most of these films were done on this pre-color um, uh, process where they all fade. You know, there was a uh, late, late, mid to late 70s, there was another color process that was used for a lot of films that the colors wouldn't fade as much. But many of these films were made just prior to that. So you're getting a lot of these films that are like turning brown, you know, oh. or red. And so you, you know, obviously you'd have to go through some extensive, you know, restoration work to make them even look good or the way they did when they were released. Um, but uh, so, um, you know, if we get around to doing the Black Dragon's Revenge, we should, uh, you know, we should invest and contribute to the uh, the new Blu-ray that came out recently and use that mm-hmm. to, to watch. I like it. Well, sir, thank you as always. And until next time. Till next time, Matthew. And I'm sending you out to the closing sequence of Bruce Lee's Deadly Kung Fu.
Chinese aren't cowards. If you're not convinced, then try some more. What's more, Chinese believe in righteousness, so I'll spare you. Still, from now on, you better not bother me again. Mm -hmm. 